Welcome once again to our Brunpen Studios where we tackle relevant issues that affect our Christian world. Well, it's been said outside of arcane discussions in medieval philosophy, nominalism is the possession of a baseless name, a title, or a description. A nominal presidency, for example, is one in which the president is nothing more than just a figurehead. A nominal vacation is one in which the vacationers must still work. Nominalism has to do with empty formalities, things so-called, and meaningless labels. The website gotquestions.org states the following by saying, Nominalism exists in religious circles. Nominal Christians are churchgoers or otherwise religious people whose faith does not go beyond being identified with a church, Christian groups, or denominations. They are Christians in name only. Christ has no bearing on their life. Nominal Christians may attend church and Christian functions, and they self-identify as quote-unquote Christians, but it's just a label. They view religion primarily as a social construct, and they do not allow it to require much of them in terms of morality or responsibility. Nominalists take a minimalist approach to their faith. Nominalism is a concern for many pastors, preachers, and Christian theologians, as it appears to be on the rise today. Many identify themselves as Christians, but the overall impact of Christianity in the West is not what it once was. Brunpunt investigate the notion of Christian nominalism and the modern-day church. Don't throw go away. We'll be back with our respondents right after this. Well, as promised, we're back with our respondents in the program, Brunpunt, and I've got uh, Dr. Johan Carstens on line. Johan, just in a nutshell, your background bio, please. Well, first of all, I would like to say, Vena, thank you for the opportunity and for our listeners as well. It's a great, great experience to be with your people. My background is being in mission for 45 years and a mentor for missionary store, a strategist for missionaries. Yeah, I think that basically sums it up. So I come not so much within the classic church fold, but I mentor pastors and, and, and reverends as well. That's part of, of the process as we have a changing South Africa, a changing world. And South Africa has become a mission field and it's just to... To, to sit and be a soundboard for people to say, how can we move from A to B, from B to C in, in a changing world and be relevant and to see South Africa as a mission field? Well, fantastic. You're the right person then that we're having online, seeing that we speak about nominalism, uh, apathy towards uh, Christianity. Can I ask you, Johan, the, the majority of people prefer a nominal or in-name-only type of Christianity in this modern so-called day and age. Do you agree with the stats or not? you think there's any truth in that? It's a yes or no answer. By an answer. I think in the Western world it is a yes. It's a definite yes. If we look at what we call the global south, which is not a geographical south, but it is the gospel that has moved uh, further from the West into South America, Africa, and the Far East, we see phenomenal changes there, and, and Christians on the front foot, where we see more in the West a Christianity that's on the back foot, almost apologetic of what they believe, and they more and more want to confirm and conform, what I would rather say, to the status quo of, of the day. So it's a yes and no answer. 
uh, the, the church is growing, or not the church, the kingdom is growing phenomenally in the global south, where we see a shrinking of Christianity, which is largely due to nominalism in the West. What would you say are the causes for nominalism? Uh, what do people say? What excuses they, do they use, and can we say this? Can we call it excuses? I think it's become part of the culture, and, and, and two things here that is important for me. One is post-Christendom in the West. We need to understand that we, we my age and maybe yours as well, you've grown up in, in a country where, to some extent, the, the, the values of the Bible, our belief system in God, that God is, 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 is the creator, that Jesus Christ is God and Savior, that is not reflected anymore in the disciplines of society. So what has been happening is that the church has, has not advanced, but has, has taken a back seat and has conformed to the general feeling, um, narrative of, of, of what is happening in the world, to stay, to stay what we call in line, to stay uh, relevant, uh, short time anyway, in, in this world. The second one is what one can call this distinction between religion and a relationship with God. Can I go here to Psalm 103, verse 7? It's important to me. Uh, David says, He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the people of Israel. Now, here's a distinction. He made known his acts, his deeds, and the way that he worked with the people of Israel. For Israel, God was an historical figure. They look back at the ten plagues. They look back at how they went through the Dead Sea. They look back at the days of manna falling from heaven. It is, it is all fantastic things that we can say about God. And the same what Paul says in, in Romans 1. He says, nobody can say there is no God because creation speaks of his creation, of his existence. But that is knowing of God. Now, the first part of the second part of, of verse 7 says, and uh, no, the first part he says, and I made known to Moses my ways. Now, if we go to, to Genesis 33, this is, this is where we, we see the distinction coming. Moses had a living relationship with God. He sat with him as a friend would sit with a friend. God explained to him what he wants to do, what he wants to be, and where he wants to take his people. And, and he also gave him revelation. He showed him the way forward. And this is, for me, the important distinction today, that we have become more of an institution, a religion, uh, a social club, perhaps, and part of the disciplines of society and even a franchise. You can belong to a system, a, 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 a culture, in that way that church has become your subculture. You go to because you feel that you are welcome there. We talk and speak the same language. We might have and generally the same political views, etc., etc., etc. So you ring fence what you believe, which is not always biblical, but it is semi-biblical. And, and this brings us to a an, an, an very dangerous perception here that, that we must always remember that nationalism, when it primes our kingdom citizenship, we are in danger. And that is what nominalism um, in, uh, tends to do. It is that your nationalism, the way you believe, the way you come from your culture and your belief system and even your religious history. It's easy yeah. to think about people, uh, our modern day circumstances in which we find ourselves, the uh, city life and, and the way that we do church. If I listen to you correctly, the new measuring stick nowadays is, is rather routines, activities, programs in the church than what it is a changed life and, and a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and that then nominalism in itself, isn't it? 
It, it is absolutely so. We, we franchise basically what's a belief system. You know, you put in what you say, a good, a good worship, a, a life a coaching sermon, and, and a few, and, and, and you have, a, you have an, an ingredient for a, a very good gathering on, on a Saturday. Uh, we've lost, in a sense, our an apostolic calling, and that is to go into the empty spheres of, of society. Mission is not only going, crossing geographical borders, going to somebody else with a different religion. Mission, uh, the, the Great Commission in Matthew, Jesus says, go into the world. That's that affirmer. This is the disciplines of society. We need our people, us, myself, to yeah. be involved in the medical world. We need to be in the front line of your judicial system in South Africa. Mm-hmm. We cannot transform South Africa if we have do not have uh, lawyers and we do not have advocates or, 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 or in, in, in a legal system. We cannot change our educational system if the top teachers in this country uh, are not Christians. So God is calling us out of our comfort zone. I think nominalism speaks of a comfort zone versus stepping on water, stepping out and getting your hands dirty, getting your feet dirty. Dr. Jan, what about the danger of declaring yourself to be a Christian? Uh, The notion, I have given my life to God. Isn't that part of nominalism, part of the custom and the culture, as opposed to uh, standing on God's word that he says, you cannot be saved by yourself. It's all grace. Isn't that one of the causes for nominalism and the way that the church finds itself to be in at the moment? Look, people, you know, no, when, when we talk about nominalism and we're talking about a nominal church and we're talking about church in general, these terms are incorporated. It's part of the narrative. It's part of the, of the fashionable speech that we have today. Um, so you, you make the sounds. But can I just quote here from, from one of my, uh, you know, the books on my shelf here. It's the last one I will give away. One of the last is by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, The Cost of Discipleship. Listen to this. The, the, the spin-off of institutionalism and also what we're talking about here, nominalism. Uh, listen to what he says. It, the spin-off is cheap grace. Now, he says the following. Cheap grace is preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Cheap grace is baptism without discipline. Cheap grace is communion without confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, Grace without Jesus Christ and grace without the living incarnate God, which we know as Jesus Christ. Wow. I mean, if you take that as a definition and you put that as a yardstick, then. What about right? cultural Christianity, Johan? Can that lead to nominalism? Somebody who has been reared in a Christian home. Uh, the trend nowadays is if you ask somebody, how did you get to know the Lord Jesus Christ? How were you converted? The conversation normally starts, well, I, I, I grew up in a Christian home, attended church all my life, was baptized. Uh, the, the, the claims of allegiance with the Christian faith, in spite of evidence uh, of that person's life to be the contrary. Uh, the Jesus film that says what a dying and unbelieving world cannot believe is that we confess Jesus with our lips, but we deny him with our lifestyle. Do you think cultural upbringing has something to do with it as well? I think yes and no. I think we shouldn't be too hard on Christians because I came from a religious background as well. I would not have been in this chair talking to you today if it was not for my father, mother, and maybe my grandfather and them praying for for, for the offspring. And back to Psalm 106, uh, David says that you will be blessed and your children and grandchildren will be blessed. So it's part of that. The, the basic is that 
I believe that every 15 years, I think we should close our churches and tell the people to go. And wherever they are, start their own churches, because then you break the cycle of a cultural church relationship where you depend, reinvent what you have, and you try to protect that. Uh, right now, there's something else that we need to look at, nominalism, which, which comes forward, and that is the outsourcing of our privilege and also the commission that God has given us to be the priesthood of all believers. We are all missionaries. Uh, there's no difference between a missionary working far out in a close country and you working in the marketplace. You are full-time in God's mission and, and uh, on an apostolic mission. But we brought in this thing called clergy and laity. So we outsource our responsibility. This is what happened to Moses and Israel. The, the Israelis said, look, uh, this God is too great for us. You, you talk to him and then you talk to us. And that's not what God wanted. God wanted a nation of priests, and that is repeated in the book of Revelation. So he's going to come back to that. So we need now to understand that we are all priests, and that the clergy laity uh, plays a major role in nominalism and being normal in the church, because you pay somebody to listen to God. We pay the church to pay missionaries to do our evangelism and the, the expansion of the kingdom for us. And, and that is another uh, asset test that we need to go to. Do you outsource uh, your responsibility and also the privilege that God has given you as a priest of him to other people? Then you know you are a nominal Christian. If you are active, uh, whether you're born in a church or through a family, but you are active spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ and expanding his kingdom, then, yes, you're not a, a nominal Christian. What about nominalism? How did the Lord Jesus Christ deal with it? Looking at the scriptures, I mean, in the Bible book of Revelations, where the angel write to Sardis, the church in Sardis, he says, I know your deeds, you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. How do we solve this problem of nominalism? Is there an answer? Yes, there is. <laughs> There's not a, it's not a nice answer. We must always remember that God is, is in the process of planting churches, or let us say expanding his kingdom, but he's also in the business of closing churches. And we must never forget that. Um, we are in a situation, especially in the West. Can I just share an experience? Yeah. I was about two years ago in, in Europe at a theological uh, conference. And uh, at lunchtime, I sat at a table, and the professor came sat uh, just across the table from me. He's from Germany. And he said to me, Johan, you know, I've got five years to go before I can retire. And I pray to God that it will pass so quickly. And I said, what's your problem? He says, well, the gospel that we, that we which teach is not relevant. The theology that we teach is not relevant. The system that we live in the church is not relevant anymore in society. Wow. I can't wait to get out of it. And I looked at him and I thought, Lord, this man is going to die within the next five years because it's a cancer from inside that is going to kill him. And then the next day I sat at the same table, same chair, and three other people joined me, one from Ghana, one from Kenya, and one from the Philippine Islands. They all are pastors of churches in Europe. And they were excited, telling me that they're on the front foot. Their gospel is relevant. Jesus is relevant. The Bible is relevant. They have miracles. They, 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 they are gaining ground, lost ground, back uh, in Europe into the kingdom of God. So once again, it is how perhaps what you said just now. We've, we've been born in a Christendom environment. We go to church. The state has protected at some stage, even our Sundays. All that has been stripped away. And uh, the God's answer may lay for us in Acts uh, 8 verse 1. 
It normally takes about eight to ten years for a culture to set in, for people to start to do things in a certain way. Then the jostling for positions start. Then um, the complaining start. You, you, you check out the book of Acts now. You, they, they're getting more better food than we are getting, etc., etc. What did God do? He closed his first church. He closed his lovely church. He closed the church that the, the Holy Spirit baptized and got 3,000 members on the first day. Not members, uh, um, followers of Jesus Christ. And uh, then they, the persecution came and they spread. In and I see this in the West, and I'm not saying it ne- negatively. I think we stand at the threshold of persecution. A nominalist church will flow with the narrative of the day to protect themselves and the people within that. But as Callahan said, it will just help them to die in dignity. They will not be the salt of the earth after that. Well, a real shaking came with COVID-19 now. People not having to attend church, not having to go to gatherings. And the tree has been shaken, so to speak, with the dead leaves falling off. What would you say to somebody this morning that's in a nominalist church uh, who has lost its impact, who has lost its power, maybe a church leader listening to us right now? Where do we turn this around? How do we turn this around? Can it be turned around? What would your answer be? Oh, well, it's, it's, it's getting back to basics. Um, you know, there's a saying that we need revival, but God is not going to revive something that he never started. So it is going to sit down and say, what is not of God and what is of God and get rid of that. Uh, it's, it's, it's imperative that, that, that we go that way. Um, if, if, I, if you're involved, I think of Psalm 1, you need not, you should not walk, you should not stand there, and you should not sit there. If that in which you are involved in is not conducive, is not apostolic, in the sense not apostolic denomination, it's got nothing to do with that. Apostolic, I mean that you are a sent person of God and you want to transform this nation, your society, your family, and your workplace. Then some says to us, blessed is the man that is not there, not standing with him, not walking with him, not sitting there. The problem is, what is the answer to that and where do you go to? And um, for pastors, I would say, you know, use what you have as a scaffolding to build something new. But you need to know where you are going. Many, many, many years ago, I don't want to give my age away, there was a lively church here in Johannesburg where I am. And really, they grew for the first 15 years. They, they were, were, were the fashion of the day. Everybody co- were copying them. You know, what do they do? They try to do the same thing. The difference was there was a move of the Holy Spirit. And we, that is what we need. We need to go back and pray for a specific move of the Holy Spirit. It's not cut and paste what is happening overseas, and we try to apply it in our own uh, setting. That That is institutionalism. That is nominalism. You know, it is... It, it is you're not creative in that. God is not in that. God wants to do something very specific with you, with your local fellowship of believers and in the society and the, and, and the, the environment that you are in. And the Holy Spirit, for us, we must open up and say, Lord, we need a new move. And whatever the cost, back to Dietrich Bonhoeffer, whatever the cost, we need to get involved in that. And then, yeah, I would like to speak to some of you know the pastors and, and so and say how can we move forward and Christians as well. For me is back to someone. Who do you sit with? In what circle of influence do you sit? Are they complaining every day of the changes that are not 
the sort of thing they want in South Africa in this world? Are we complaining about the needle, yes or no? Are we talk, uh, complaining about bowing our knees or not bowing our knees? You know, we, we have so many things. Uh, I mean, if I just look at my WhatsApp, WhatsApp uh, messages coming through, very few of that is pertaining to a new move of the Holy Spirit which has already happened. We must always remember that God's Spirit is on the move. We are missing perhaps the biggest move of the Holy Spirit at the moment. It's happening in the global south, and it's, it's happening in pockets in South Africa. It's happening, happening at coffee tables. We prayed for somebody the other day with, with a back problem, a serious back problem. And three days later, that person now seven weeks without pain. Uh, it, it, it's getting back to the basics. Johan, thank you. Uh, listening to you, it's clear. Praying and fasting, not giving up until something breaks in the spiritual realm. Trusting God, walking away from nominalism because it's real. It's happening around us. And who knows, there is a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof leads unto death. Thank you so much. If you have to sum up our conversation this morning, your final thoughts on Christian nominalism. Can I quote again from Dietrich Bonhoeffer? Costly grace is the treasure hidden in the field. For the sake of it, man will go and sell all he has. It is the pearl of great price to buy, which is the merchant will sell all his goods to get hold of that. It is the kingly rule of Jesus Christ. For whose sake a man will pluck out his eye, which causes him to stumble. It is a call of Jesus Christ at which the disciple leaves his nets and follows him. That then, Dr. Jan Carstens, on nominalism, the danger that threatens Christianity in the Western world. Jan, thank you so much for chatting to us here at Brandpunt. Thank you very much. God bless. And to our people out there, let's, let's get on the move. Let's become apostolic and let's be the temple of God wherever you are.